It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, August 23rd. The LA Galaxy losing 2-1 to one on Friday night. It feels like it was forever ago, but on Friday night to the San Jose Earthquakes. We're going to talk a little bit about that loss, uh, sort of where the LA Galaxy, certainly the reaction from Mr. Greg Vanning was one uh, that we'll be paying attention to as well. Um, and we've got a lot of stuff going on as the All-Star game kicks off. We're going to tell you about Chicharito. We're going to tell you about status for Saturday. Uh, so we have a whole bunch of stuff still going there as we enter an El Trafico week as well. That's right, LA Galaxy, LAFC at Bank of California Stadium coming up on Saturday on Big Fox. So a lot of things to get to, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, to help me do that tonight, he's driving right now. He's via telephone. He may cut in and out, and we may even lose him towards the end here, but we have Kevin, the Panda Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? I am on the move. I am, uh, I, you know, there was a picture someone posted the other day. They saw the uh, Man City Mobile, and I was uh, streaking down the freeway, and they accused me of speeding, and I was. Well, today I'm talking on my cell phone to you as I'm driving. So that's two, uh, that's two violations in, in the same week. But I am on the move. I've left South Bakersfield now. I'm on my way to a uh, Players Association party or event uh, associated with the All-Star Game. I am going to go through some hills here on the way through, from South Bakersfield. So you, you, indeed, as you mentioned, you might lose me. But I, I don't know anybody with the Players Association. It seems like those are good people to know. Yes. So I'm going. They invited me to this event, and I'm going to go to this event and see if I can make some contacts. Um, and we will. If I drop the phone, that means a cop passed by. And right. then if I cut out, that means I'm in the hills. And at some point, I'm going to stop because I'm going to get to the party. I think or event before this podcast is completed. So we'll do that. By the way, before I forget, I was out at the um, El Salvador Costa Rica game, uh, and I got to see people Gonzalez play. That was exciting for Costa Rica, but. That was Saturday at Dignity Health Sports Park. A big crowd there. A lot of Galaxy fans on the Salvadoran side, mainly. Um, you saw it. You did not go to the game, and you saw as many goals as I did, and I was at the game. But I just wanted to shout out to all those Galaxy fans that were out there. Um, I went over and, and uh, to their tailgate and visited with a few of them, and uh, great time. Really, a lot of great people out there, and I appreciate your guys' hospitality. 
That's awesome. No, that sounds like it was uh, it was at least a fun time. And I, I know you said you got to talk to a lot of people, so that's always a good thing too. So glad that uh, glad that it worked out, and I'm glad that we could have you at least on the phone here uh, for a little while as we uh, go through. So normally, what we would do is we would say, "Hey, let's go ahead and get through the San Jose earthquakes and do things in chronological order, Kevin." But because we only have you for a limited amount of time, we're actually going to skip ahead to the news part, which we never, ever, 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 ever do first. We're going to do first this time. Does that sound like a good thing? Yeah, well, it's because it's MLS All-Star Week, so there's there's like news events, events created to, to make news. So we have one of those today. Okay, good, good, good. All right, we'll, we, will, we will talk about that. Well, the big news today, and uh, certainly something that came out this morning, is MLS uh, kind of under... I mean, they tried to almost bury the announcement, Kevin. They didn't do a good job of it, um, but they tried to bury that announcement. Uh, and basically that uh, Javier Chicharito Hernandez and LAFC's Carlos Vela were both ruled out for the All-Star game uh, coming up on Wednesday night, which means they won't be taking part in the Skills Challenge. It means they won't be taking part um, in the All-Star game itself. And uh, that could have some other ramifications as well, right? Well, it does. I mean, you know, Chicharito and Vela were on all the posters. They were on all the advertisements. There are big posters right now. Was at Bank of California today for the press conference. There are huge posters and advertisements all over the place. Every single one of them has Chicharito and Bella. Um, but neither the dog nor the pony for MLS's dog and pony show will be playing in the game or taking part in the skills challenge. We kind of knew Chicharito maybe was not going to play. We sort of had the suspicion with the calf injury, how long it's taken him to come back, that the Galaxy probably would not want to risk having him participate in these events. Um, Dennis DeClosa told me so much uh, this morning before MLS made the announcement. Uh, so, but, but here's the big thing. I talked to an MLS spokeswoman at the event today. Uh, none of the releases said anything about what happens going forward. And there is the El Tráfico this weekend at Bank of California. It's on Big Fox, nationally televised. This is another MLS dog and pony show. And both dog and pony will be out of that one as well. MLS is going to stick to their guns. They're going to uh, they're going to use the Zlatan rule, which, if you remember, when Zlatan decided not to go to Atlanta and play in a meaningless exhibition game on turf a couple years ago, MLS said, if you did not participate in the All-Star game, you miss your club's next regular season game. The next regular season game is El Tráfico on Saturday. So both Chicharito and Vela will not be able to dress for El Tráfico. It's a big double whammy for MLS. They lose their, their two marquee guys from the first Liga MX MLS All-Star game, and this these were the two people they wanted out there. They wanted people in Mexico to watch the game, to see Chicharito play against Guillermo Cho and some of these other guys. That's not going to happen, and then Chicharito's not going to play against Vela in uh, El Tráfico. So, big double whammy for MLS. They kind of outsmarted themselves twice. Kevin, can I can I say and 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 obviously I believe exactly what you're saying, but can I say even I find it hard to believe that MLS is this stupid? Uh, whenever it comes to you know making this decision, it's easy to sort of sit there and say, "Listen, Chicharito's been injured for a long time. Carlos Vela came out in like what the 15th minute of his game. He's obviously injured. Um, you know, all these things are are real, and we know the difference between real injuries and fake injuries, and we should be able to adapt it. This seems like they're trying to be black and white when really they needed to be a little shades of gray here, and they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. They shot themselves in the foot once." Uh, and now it feels like they're going to shoot the other foot as they go through Saturday as well. Well, you know, the Zalatan thing was different. Zalatan said, I am not going to play in an exhibition on turf. I'm not going across the country to do that. He was openly defying the rules. And, and I get it. Okay, that is a 
unusual case, and I think he's probably if if MLS wants to make this All Star game be a big deal. Now you know baseball, basketball, football, no no other league does that. It's an exhibition, and they recognize that as an exhibition. And a lot of guys want the time off. So um, MLS says no. The, the reason here here what this is all about is MLS used to have its big sponsor parties. It's kind of Super Bowl event for all of its sponsors. They used to have that at MLS Cup when MLS Cup was at a neutral site because they had months to plan for that event. Then when MLS correctly decided MLS Cup would go to the team with the best regular season record, well, they didn't have time to activate all their sponsors' events. So all those things moved to the middle of the season, to the All-Star game. Liga MX, all of the, the all 18 team owners, all 18 general managers, everyone's here for this thing. A lot of the MLS people are here as well. This is where the sponsors come. This is where they have the wine and dine them. I'm going to a, a union event tonight. So this is important for MLS. And so they've decided that all their stars have to be here. That's ridiculous. Um, so you're right. They did, and, and you and I were talking before the show. I didn't expect them to go through with this. When I saw that, that two New England players, that Bruce Arena had pulled two of his starters from New England out of the All-Star game as well, that to me, you know, nobody knows the MLS rules better than Bruce Arena. And when Bruce Arena pulled his guys, I thought, aha, he found the loophole. He's going to get around this one-game suspension. He's going to make sure his guys play next weekend. Well, if and that's why I went to an MLS spokesperson and said, are Vela and Chicharito out? And she said, yes. I'm kind of with you, though. I'm not convinced that MLS isn't going to try to find some way around this right. uh, and, and allow these guys to play. The, the Vela, you know, again, we knew Chicharito was probably out. The Vela thing was unfortunate. He's had this quadriceps problem since the first game, and then he went and played on turf in Vancouver, and it just blew up on him. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, MLS just – the two guys they wanted in this game are out with injury. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, but then they're coming back with a nationally televised game, and they've got to say, hey, folks, another marquee event. We don't have our marquee players. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. You're you're on Big Fox, right? You're on national television, basic uh, over the air. Um, you know, a broadcast with Fox. You have this huge, huge audience that should be tuning in for one of MLS's marquee games, right? And we all agree that El Trafico is one of the biggest games of the year for Major League Soccer, if not the biggest game of the year for Major League Soccer. Uh, it's a huge deal. You could be getting somebody like Chicharito back, Kevin. It may have been, and Greg Vanny was on the fence about it. We don't know if he would come back, but it was close. And you could have this moment in El Trafico where the cameras t pan to the bench. Chicharito comes off the bench and he's going to play the last 15 minutes with a tie game and possibility of winning everything. You have all this drama that you could build in by just being smart. Again, these are not both of these players are not trying to circumvent the rules, Kevin. These both of these players, at least with Vela and, and Chicharito, they're injured. I can't speak for for New England and, and Bruce Arena and what they're doing over there. But Chicharito has been injured for, what, 11 or 12 games now. This this is nothing new and everybody knows it. And he's just on the, you could have this. It's almost like whenever Zlatan came off the bench, right? You could have that moment and MLS has decided, you know what? Now nah, we don't need that moment. Apparently we're already having to tuck our tail between our legs because the guys who we have on every single poster both got injured and neither one of them are at bank of California stadium to play against the league MX all-stars. That's not a thing that happens anymore. And now we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot again by saying, Oh, you know what? Chicharito can't even play. Even if he was able to play, he can't play. Um, that just, it seems totally short-sighted to me. And you know what teams and players are going to say in the future, they're going to say, Hey, fans, please don't elect me to the All-Star game. Don't pick me for the All-Star game because 
I might be injured or I might not be able to go or I have to stay home and then you're going to cost your game a team in the you're going to cost your team a game in the standings because I can't play in the next game. Um, players are not going to want to go under these circumstances. It's not that big an honor. And remember, you know, that like the New England players, DC United, all those guys, they're coming across the country and they got to go back and some of them play on Friday. Right. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's as we say it's an exhibition game. We always talked about midseason friendlies, Kevin, um, sort of uh, along the same lines with some of this stuff. Which is this is a midseason friendly for some of these guys. I will say this: that if MLS is serious about the All Star game and they want guys to show up and play during these All Star events, then start pushing some serious cash to be there, and the guys will find it within them to to make it. Um, I, I don't mean to be greedy, and I don't want to be you know sort of just simple on this. But bottom line is, if a guy's going to make you know a hundred thousand dollars because he's showing up to the to the all-star game uh then all of a sudden that means a lot you know and and you can even do stuff and like somebody said in our chat room uh galaxy goal says uh even give the players double the money to those who donate their all-star game earnings to charity um that like you could do a whole bunch of things that would turn out good but right now is everybody doesn't want to play um, in some of these exhibition games and you have a guy who's on the just the edge of coming back with Chicharito and you're going to rule him out for one big listen I don't think it's that important to the LA Galaxy overall on what happens on Saturday I think the Galaxy will have plenty of healthy bodies to play in but you can't tell me the storyline uh, wouldn't be huge Kevin if Chicharito is sitting there on the bench whenever uh, this game goes into you know the last 20 minutes or so and there's a possibility he could be coming in that will keep people watching that game well, a couple of things. I want to get to the what we talked about before, which is who Greg Vanny will have available. But on the on the thought that you had, again, some players have to go back and play. They have to go cross country and play on Friday after playing the All Star game Wednesday. Now, yes, they're not going to run around for 90 minutes, and and I think we're you know it's going to be a tame game. There's not going to be a lot of physical tackles. Guys aren't going to play 90 minutes probably, et cetera, et cetera. But still, the, the cross country travel. I mean. Just imagine you, you fly cross-country on Monday, you go back on Friday, and you, you, you run around a little bit in between. You're going to be tired. But, you know, Sebastian Legett did not make the team. He should have made the team, but he didn't. But imagine guys in his position just for a moment. Sebastian Legett is going, to, is, is going to probably make the U.S. national team for this first set of World Cup qualifiers. You would have a, a situation where Sebastian Legett played Friday. He's, he's got to play in the All-Star game Wednesday. He's got to do the skills challenge Tuesday. He's got to play in El Trafico on Saturday. Then he's got to fly off and play three World Cup qualifiers in eight days, and then he's got to return to the Galaxy three days later to resume the, the regular season. That's just too much. And, and because the LAFC coaching staff is coaching the MLS All-Stars, I got a chance to talk to a lot of their guys about this. And to a person, they all are, are I, I wouldn't want to say they're angry, but they, they don't embrace the All-Star game either. It's like, we should have this at the beginning of the season, but then guys aren't in shape. We should have it at the end of the season, but then guys really don't care. But we have it in the middle of the season. You got guys hurt. You got guys that could get hurt. You got guys traveling. They're exhausted. There's no break. Maybe there should be a longer break, but they can't do that now because they have an international coming up in September. They have another international break in October. They have an international break in November. Um, you know, there's fixture congestion. So it's really a bad thing all the way around. But what I wanted to talk about with the players is, so the Galaxy have played Friday. They played Friday, the third game in seven days. Then they, they have a full week off. They play El Trafico. Then they have two more weeks off after that. And Greg Vanny's got a couple of guys with knocks. You know, um, we know Chicharito is out. Right. MLS made that decision for Greg Vanny. He's out. But, you know, Sega has been dealing with some things, a, a little knock. Jorge Villafania's been out a couple of games with a knock. 
a couple of guys, a few guys banged up. Jonathan Dos Santos, we saw him limping around a little bit. Greg Manny has a chance now. I know he wants the points against LAFC, and he should go after them. But if he manages his squad correctly, you have a choice, a chance now to get Jorge Diafania three full weeks off in the middle of the season. You can get Sega Koulibaly three full weeks off. You know, you can get Jonathan Dos Santos. He's not called up by Mexico. He can get a long break. This could be a real key game, this, this El Trafico coming up. If Greg Benny can get through that game without extending some of these injured players and without not having them aggravate anything, these guys could be completely healthy or close to as healthy as they've been all season. Coming back on September 11th for the, the playoff drive, uh, a lot of games in a short amount of time with those international breaks, a lot of congestion, uh, you know, fixture congestion. This could be a, a part where Greg Benny can get his guys healthy, completely healthy, if he can manage to get through this LAFC game without extending his guys too much. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly one of those things. And I listen, I think there's more than enough healthy bodies for him to be able to do that. Uh, you know, Nico Hamelainen has been taking a lot of Viafania's time. Uh, you know, Koulibaly seems like he's okay. Um, I imagine that they're not going to rotate anymore. And uh, I think maybe Greg Vanny uh, learned a lesson about his rotation uh, against the San Jose game. I can dive into that a little bit as well. Um, but you're right. And this is one of the reasons that Greg Vanny was shouting, you know, we have three weeks to fix this, Kevin, right? He was talking about the defense after the game. We have three weeks. And he had to sort of backtrack on it, which was sort of like, obviously, we want to get a result and a, you know, and a response uh, coming up on Saturday. He goes, but realistically, we have three weeks to fix this. And this is that three weeks we're talking about. This is the three weeks of training and a whole bunch of other things. Um, that the Galaxy will actually be able to do because uh, I don't know if people know this. I imagine that they do, uh, but the Galaxy haven't done any training recently, all right? And that's because with a schedule that involves, you know, three games in seven days, uh, that means that you don't get any training. It's walkthroughs, it's recoveries, but there's no actual training or time to work on things. Uh, it's mostly just getting ready for the next game and, and going from there. So that's why Vanny was very focused on the three weeks after the San Jose game and talking about how the defense needed to be fixed and they had three weeks to do it. This is the three weeks that he's talking about. It's this break um, after the LAFC game. The LA Galaxy don't play again until 9-11. Um, that's whenever they travel to Colorado um, for an afternoon game there. So um, a whole bunch of stuff uh, coming up for the Galaxy on that side. I just think... Um, you know, looking at this All-Star game, I, I don't have a problem with the All-Star game overall. I just think an All-Star game this year, Kevin, in this type of condensed schedules, you have a bunch of these teams. In fact, most teams played three games in seven or eight days last week. And then you're throwing in another midweek game for some of these guys. There's just, there comes a point where, where you know, muscles break and, and people break down. And, and I have a feeling we're going to see some of that in the All-Star game. Well, you know, tickets for the All-Star game were going for over $200. And some people thought that that was, a little bit of a bargain to see Chicharito and Bella, the former Mexican national team players, go against Guillermo Ochoa, their former national team teammate, some of these other guys and others. There was a little bit of a, a you know an interesting storyline to there, but now that it's uh, going to be Christian Roldan and, and Raul Ruiz Diaz against uh, against Mexico, not the same thing. But by the way, you know you were talking about Greg Vanny's kind of. Uh, uh, in diatribe, whatever you want to call it, after the San Jose game, he was very angry and was really uh, attacking the way his team played defensively. He said a lot of stuff that I, I guess I didn't know and never thought of, uh, but he talked about some statistic that he had that showed that the Galaxy uh, begin their, their offensive buildup deeper in their defensive end than any team in MLS. And he talked about how when you don't play defense, when you allow teams to come deep into your own end um, and before you recover the ball, then you have 85 or 90 yards to go to get into an attacking position. 
And it's very difficult, unless it's a, a counterattack or a breakaway, it's very difficult to dribble 90 yards up the field against an MLS team and, and go all the way through. I, I, it, it makes total sense. It's super obvious. I just never thought about it, that the way you play defense, if you play lazy on, on defense and let the team get all the way to your back line, that hurts your offense because you have so much further to go. Yeah, and, and by the way, he was talking a lot about transitions in there too, right? It's transition. He said basically the Galaxy are skipping a whole very important part to uh, to the game, which is you know the transition game and being able to transition quickly and that they don't do that. Um, and, and by the way, not a statistic, an analytic uh, that he's talking about there, right? This is something that is uh, not anything we have heard out of the Galaxy coach's mouth, um, I don't know, ever. Um, mostly because whenever Bruce Arena was around, you would talk about analytics and he would yell at you. Uh, Kurt Anolfo never stuck around long enough probably to talk about analytics. Uh, I don't think Dom Kinnear did. I don't think Siggy Schmidt did. And I don't. I know Guillermo Barrescoloto never talked about any analytics. So to understand that the LA Galaxy 1 are even taking into account an analytic for a team. Uh, and, you know, not only that, Kevin, but I thought it was really interesting because he reiterated that twice, right? He didn't just talk about the, oh, well, you know, our team starts, you know, deeper, uh, our attacks start deeper than any other team in MLS. And then somebody said, well, you know, but what about the offense? He goes, yeah. He goes, I just told you this stat. He goes, this stat is a major reason for the offensive part too, right? And so um, the fact that he is able to to go in and look at those analytics and and, and be able to do things like that um, already tells me that this is uh, a guy who is uh, not more advanced, but just paying very, very close attention to everything the Galaxy are doing right now on, off the field, everything. Greg Vanny is all up in their business. And I don't, you know, uh, I'm sure that there was a honeymoon period with Greg Vanny, right? He was uh, he was getting ready with everybody. He was he was giving people space and time to sort of figure some things out. I think that honeymoon period is probably over now. At least it feels that way, Kevin. Well, and you talk about the three weeks. Greg talked about the three weeks. Remember, he's, he, you know, we've used the stat a million times. 17 players have made their Galaxy debut. I mean, 17 players new to Greg, Greg Vanny, new to the Galaxy this season. A couple of those guys, you know, Dehan and, and Nico and a few others have come in during this this crowded summer fixtures uh, schedule. And as you mentioned, they haven't been on the field training. That means these guys have not got a chance to really learn and really study maybe the way that Greg Manning wants them to play and the way their teammates play. What you do on the training field when you when you uh, you know rehearse some of this stuff as opposed to what you do in the game is totally different. I think that three weeks is probably going to be very valuable for some of these guys who are newer to the team and are still trying to figure out what exactly Greg Manning wants them to do. Uh, very interesting. I want to shift gears for you, and I didn't even tell you we were going to talk about this, but I imagine that uh, you uh, you you are more. Yeah, don't worry. You're you're more than qualified to talk about this particular thing. Um, Jaime Ojeda uh, was reporting on Twitter and sort of came up with something interesting. I saw it on Reddit. And I picked it up. But basically, uh, this reporter saying, uh, I'm hearing that the combined value of the regional TV package of MLS uh, can be around $75 plus million a year from 2023. Basically, that the league, MLS, wants to put uh, your regional games, right? So not the nationally televised games, but the regional games uh, that don't get that national televised pickup on like an ESPN. Plus platform or Paramount Plus platform. We've talked about this. Um, and the big deal here would be that there would be no market blackouts um, and sort of the regional TV model would like go poof in a matter of seconds, Kevin. Now, uh, I saw a lot of people looking at this and saying, well, that, you know, the current MLS deal is $90 million. And so this is less than that. Um, so what? Everybody's supposed to take a haircut and, you know, how things going. Um, if 
I, if I read this correct and I look at everything, Kevin, it, this, there's a national television, you know, the national TV contract, which is the 90 million. This is on top of that. This is separate from that contract. So, yes, they will be negotiating probably those things combined in some or in some parts, in some ways. But um, basically, you're looking at $75 million. Now, if you take $75 million, Kevin, and you divide it by the 27 teams that are out there right now, that's $2.77 million per team. All right. And if you're talking about the LA Galaxy, we know they're making around five, uh, five, five point five million dollars a year off their Spectrum deal. So if you're taking the five point five and basically you're, you're chopping that in half, right? You're saying that the Galaxy would only get two point seven million dollars. Um, I look at this, Kevin, and I say the LA Galaxy are never, ever getting another contract worth five point five million dollars for their regional broadcast, at least not anytime soon. Right. And so the two point seven million is not a horrible place to sort of land if you're the L.A. Galaxy. And I would imagine that that's a considerable increase from for some other teams that are currently um, maybe even paying to have some of their uh, games broadcast on regional networks. Yeah, but it's not enough. Um, the TV money is what's driving global soccer everywhere. Um, the MLS needs a much more robust deal than the 90 million nationally. And, and then, you know, for these local uh, broadcasts as well, I think you're going to see a lot of this stuff go streaming. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to do to the financial side of it, but you've seen ESPN Plus pick up the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, the French League now is, is streaming. Um, you know, even a lot of the EPL games now are on Peacock. So, uh, and I've been told by TV people that that the reason they're doing that is that's where the soccer viewers are. Uh, guys like me, you know, who are used to regular TV, we're not soccer viewers by and large. It's the you know 18 to 34, 18 to to 44, and those people are very comfortable. My son's 27; he's never had a TV. He watches everything streaming. Right. And so that's that's where soccer is going. And, and whether there's money there or not, I don't know. But in talking to a lot of Liga MX people this week around the All-Star game um, and, and in looking at why MLS really wants to have sort of this partnership and, and even perhaps someday a merger with Liga MX, it's all because of TV. And MLS is not getting, uh, you know, the, again, the robust TV deals that other leagues are getting. The, the viewers in the U.S. are watching Liga MX. Liga MX games get way more viewers than even the best MLS games. So MLS is trying to push in and associate with Liga MX to, to drive some of those TV ratings. You may see things in the future where MLS is going to play Liga MX in, in more games than just the League's Cup and some of these other things, maybe even some regular season games. I'm not sure how that would work, but the idea to get MLS uh, teams in front of Liga MX viewers and drive those ratings up so they can drive the TV money up, and everything in, in that realm is pointing to 2026. The synergy with Mexico and the U.S. leading up into the World Cup that the two nations will share with Canada. Um, TV money is is the future. MLS, you know, as a league, has never made a profit. Um, they need that TV money in order to turn that around. I'm just not sure that the kind of dollars you're talking about um, is going to do it. It may be a stopgap. It may get them through the next TV deal, but don't. I, I look for that one not to be a five-year deal. I look for that to be one that's going to stop right around 2026. Uh, when they're able to point to the World Cup and say, look how many people watch soccer, give us more money. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, again, there's national TV contract that is in the 90 million. And we certainly, I think everybody is hopeful right now that that's going to go up, right? And so, you know, everybody's saying, okay, maybe it doesn't skyrocket, Kevin. Maybe it goes up into the, you know, 100, $110 million. But like you said, maybe they should do a shorter term sort of based off of the World Cup and different things like that. I'm telling you right now, 
if you gave every team $2.7 million for their TV, that several teams would be making twice or three times as much as they're making off television contracts right now. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt about that, but it's still, you know, how those teams pay their bills. Maybe those are the teams that are underwater. Um, you got to, you know, at Charlotte, you know, paying $325 million to join the league, and you tell them they're going to get 2.5 for their local TV deal. I don't think I, <laughs> they'll probably take it, but I don't think they're going to be happy with it. Yeah, but I mean, where's the, where, I'm sorry, but where have you seen, I mean, you look at the LA Galaxy, we know they have one of the richest TV contracts in Major League Soccer. The richest, in, the, yeah, the yeah. richest in league history. So $5.5 million is the high bar, and that we know that high bar is never being reached again here in LA, at least not for the Galaxy and not right now, right? Um, that's that's almost a given. We've seen that you know LAFC has has had some issues in terms of finding somebody to broadcast their games and getting that deal done. Um, the LA Galaxy are coming up at the end of their contract with you know Time Warner, which is now Spectrum. So that's going to go. I mean, all of this stuff leads into a streaming platform like ESPN Plus, like Paramount Plus, like um, all these other ones that I think everybody's subscribed to because we're all like watching soccer from all over the world, and that includes uh, you know all of the out of market games in Major League Soccer. If you're going to increase the amount of money most teams get, I think everybody's going to be pretty happy with that. I'm not saying that that's a great 10-year deal, but I'm saying in the short term that you're giving people more money than they would be getting normally. Um, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win for teams if you're getting more money than you would normally be getting on a TV contract. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned kind of in passing, and, and you didn't really elaborate much on it. That that some teams may be paying for their uh, games to be broadcast. Um, I know that Chivas USA did that in its uh, end days, and, and I know that's a sad chapter in MLS history, but they paid for their games to be broadcast on TV. They paid for their games to be broadcast on the radio, um, uh, you know, and, and they were able to sell advertising whatever they could to sort of recoup some of that. But I think you're probably right. I think there probably are some teams in some markets that don't get any TV revenue or very little, whatever they can sell, you know, whatever ads they can sell. Yeah. I mean, um, those I, would be the teams that would be extremely happy with a deal like that. Again, you know, you're trying to find a one shoe fits all, right? You're like, Oh, this, this is going to fit everybody. And I don't think, I think, you know, you look at the galaxy, they're going to have to take a, a haircut, but I think they were expecting to take a haircut anyway. So, um, I'm, I'm not really sure that that's a, that's a huge. Deal. What, what is different here though, is if it goes this way, Kevin, no longer will you and I have to say, Oh, well you can't watch it because it's blacked out. Um, that doesn't happen. Um, and so that sounds like if you're eventually moving to that model, I think everybody's a lot happier and you know, all the people, listen, I like all the people who work for spectrum and I think they do, you know, as good a job as they will allow with the money that they get. Right. I mean, basically that's all bare bones stuff anymore. Um, for what Spectrum does. And before there was studio shows and all sorts of other things. Um, and that went away whenever they realized that the viewership wasn't there and therefore, you know, the advertising opportunities of the whole deal. So that has been a very bad deal for Spectrum, a very good deal for the LA Galaxy. We've talked about that many times. But having said that, um, you know, it's it's time for that to go away. Lots of people are very upset with Spectrum. You can't watch things when you want to, so they could just, you know, go away. Um, and so... Uh, whenever you look at what this could possibly be progressing to, I think that they're going to, as a league, that they're headed in the right direction. The money not may, may not be there right now, um, but it's going to be there. It's going to get better. And I think that if you're headed in this general direction where you get to package everything together, um, 
you know, there's lots of things I think we've talked about on the show, which is how do you even do that, right? Because you still need local teams to broadcast the games. You still need local production crews. You need a lot of things that have to happen in order to do all this stuff. And I don't know who pays for that and how that works, but that seems to be sort of where we're headed here pretty quickly is that everything will be together. There will be no blackouts. Uh, and no, wherever you are in the United States, you will be able to watch the LA Galaxy on your phone, on your computer, on your smart TV, all sorts of things like that. So for me, uh, that's where that's where it, it sort of goes. I would also like to point out that one of the reasons the LA Galaxy have a YouTube radio station, Kevin, is because in order to be on radio or on anywhere else, you have to pay a significant amount of money for them to do that. And they didn't want to do that. So they just put it up on YouTube and therefore people can stream that audio and get that audio whenever they want it. And it's basically a much lower cost to produce those things than if it was actually broadcast over terrestrial radio. Well, a couple of things about what you talked about is that when Spectrum signed that deal, which was $55 million for 10 years, that was just shortly after they had started the, the, to broadcast the Lakers. Remember, they, they yep. signed that multi-billion dollar deal with the Lakers. The deal was they needed summer programming when the Lakers weren't playing. And they thought you know, sports was relatively cheap. They thought there'd be an audience. They didn't think they were going to make a killing, but they thought they could recoup their money. So they did the studio shows, which were really good. I thought they had a Spanish they had spectrum in Espanol. They did, uh, you know, Galaxy stuff in Espanol. They did games. They did, uh, you know, the shoulder programming in Spanish. They got their hats handed to them. Uh, they got no viewers at all, period. I mean, the ratings were, were to, to get any kind of ratings at all, I think you have to have like 100,000 viewers or something. They got 0.00. Um, they got no ratings at all. Right. So it just didn't work out, and they lost a ton of money. And this is why, you know, LAFC was not able to get a partner um, they, they had to go to YouTube at first and now they're on KCOP. Um, the only people that are going to be unhappy with this new streaming thing is, is me because I'm going to need tech support to figure out how to get this app on my phone and how to log onto my computer and get that stuff. Oh my um, God. You're so yeah, old. Yeah, you're going to have to help me. You, yeah, you, I am. You get act, off my lawn, you kids. You act, like you're, lawn. you act like you're 70 and you're like, you're barely 10 years older than me and you're like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I mean, you know, Larry is Larry is almost 70 and occasionally he'll ask me for help on some things. You're you're worse than he is. I'm always asking you for help. I know. I, know. I feel like I'm the COG tech support guy sometimes. That's well, okay. My, my son worked at an Apple store for a while, which was awesome because now he knows how all the Apple stuff works. So, so that's uh, well, he, probably, he probably did anyways, but now I can actually call him and say, hey, uh, how does this app work? What do I do here? That's uh, a... That works. That's it. Luckily for you, um, this will be easy. So the streaming stuff, we'll see where that ends up going. But it's one of those things we focus on on this program is talking about the TV money, talking about where the LA Galaxy can get some things um, and, and how they get their money and how they make money. And we talk you know, about season tickets. And most of the time, this is why whenever you look at the $5.5 million the Galaxy get out of a spectrum, this is why they're still dependent on walk-ups and on season tickets and on people being in their seats um, and buying game tickets. That's one of the reasons the LA Galaxy... Um, you know, really focus on this is because there's not a ton. There's not they're not getting twenty five million dollars a year out of their TV contract. Right. Um, and so that's you, you sort of have to look at that whenever all of these things come together, because eventually it comes down to Uncle Phil, uh, Phil Anschutz and how much money he wants to spend knowing that, you know, he's not bringing in a whole bunch of money. Now, we could certainly talk about you know, the value of, uh, of franchises and how they've been skyrocketing and how any losses any of these guys say, you know, that they get all the time has pretty much been erased by the overall market value of a club, especially like the L.A. Galaxy, um, you know, in the market, if you were to sell 
sell them? How much money could you sell them for? And so, you know, they value the, they do valuations for those every year. Um, so, you know, 700 million, 750, 800 million, 900 million. Um, I forget what the latest, who the latest person did the valuations and where the LA galaxy sit, sit, but that's what, that's why we look at these things and say, okay, there's, there's more to this, but we want you to have the full picture on that as well. So there's a grain of salt to all of that. Chris Klein told me this when, uh, we're on the road with the galaxy, uh, well, was last year, I guess it was like two years ago. Yeah. The opener. Yeah. Whatever. The one in Houston, two first game. And, um, the Forbes list had just come out and had all these rankings of how much the teams were worth. And, and Chris Klein said, you, you know, do you buy that stuff? And I go, well, you know, it's Forbes. It looks good. And he said, look at, look at, I think it was Cincinnati was the team. I think that was the one Meg Whitman or someone had just bought a share of, and they spent like $500 million for like a quarter share. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the club was by Forbes was ranked like at, 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 the figures are wrong. I'm, I'm just giving you an idea of the conversation. Uh, the, the figures for the Forbes ranked were just just a few ticks above what Meg Whitman had paid for a quarter share, and Chris Klein said, "If it's a quarter share, it should be four times what she paid." And yet Forbes is valuing the team essentially what she paid, and right. she paid for one fourth of the team. So, who you know, MLS MLS loves this stuff. The more muddy the water can get, the more we the, the less we know about what teams are worth and how much they're paying for players, the better for MLS. Um, but at some point. You know, they're going to have to open their books to somebody. Um, we know the league continues to lose money. It's just I, I wish they'd be more transparent because it would be it'd be great to know how much salary cap space the Galaxy have yeah. and, and how yeah. much uh, the league is losing or how much the league is winning and how big of a deal is this All-Star game. Hey, you know, if MLS wants to make the case that all the sponsor activity around this All-Star game, uh, you know, is worth a tenth of their revenue, maybe people will feel different about it. But right now it just looks like a meaningless exhibition that, um, you know, that the league feels is important and nobody else does. Yep. Absolutely. How, how are you doing on timing there? Or do you, do you need to I, go? I am, just, I am trying to find the event. I'm just about there. I'm told it's, uh, it's here on San Pedro street, which if you ever have a chance to drive down San Pedro street and downtown LA at night, please never do it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I am near to where I'm supposed to be. Okay, well, why don't we let you go? Because I can transition into talking about San Jose. We will, we will thank you for your input. You go find your place. You go get there. You go, you go smooth and make your contacts with the uh, MLS Players Association. All right. I will do that. Thank you. All right, Kev. Thanks as always. And uh, don't worry, I'll tell everybody where they can find you at the end. So, so drive safe. All right, Kev. Thanks, buddy. All right, there goes uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Glad we could, uh, we could have him on for a little bit at least. Um, a, a lot of stuff I think that was important and Kevin and I were trying to figure out how to do this. And obviously Kevin wanted to cover that event. Um, he was trying to get me to do it and he was like, Hey, let's do the podcast from the event. And we're like, how do you, how, how I, this is, again, this goes back to Kevin being the dinosaur, Kevin, how do you suppose we do a live podcast from a, from a party, uh, which I imagine will be like, you know, people schmoozing, talking loud. I mean, generally loud, you know, the whole deal. Um, how do you suppose that works? He's like, I don't know. And I'm so I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll, we won't, we won't do it. We won't do it. How about we just get you on the phone while you're driving and then we could, uh, we could go ahead and do that. So, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, let's see. I could go through a whole bunch of different things. Um, let's see. I, I don't know. Kevin's like, I would say that Kevin's actually trying to call me back, but most of that time it just means that he's like, you know, he hit buttons he wasn't supposed to hit. So, uh, we will let him be, uh, as we, as we go forward, I wanted to get to some of the San Jose game. Um, I think the San Jose game is important to sort of check. I think it's important to take a look at. I think that if you thought the LA Galaxy 
uh, you know, didn't have any problems that the San Jose game probably exposed those problems uh, and, you know, more or less the, the Colorado game as well. Um, I some, for some reason was getting a lot of flack on social media saying that I said that, you know, the galaxy were tired and that's, I, I have never once in the Colorado game or the San Jose game said the galaxy are tired because, uh, if you look at the LA galaxy coming into this, they were on the same schedule as everybody else, but they were at home. Okay. And because they were at home, they should have had the advantage. They had the, the advantage against Colorado. All right. And they certainly had the advantage against San Jose. San Jose was playing its third game of three, two at home and then one on the road. Yes, it's a short trip trip. It doesn't matter if you get on a plane, you travel. That's the you you lose that advantage. All right. Uh, if you look at Colorado, they played Saturday at Houston and then Tuesday at L.A. Tell me how a team that plays uh, two home, two road games back to back comes in or excuse me, they are uh, their second of two games, uh, both of which were on the road. They come into L.A. and and they beat the Galaxy so easily. Right. And by the way, if you remember, Colorado sat some starters. Right. That wasn't even their A plus team. Um, so you can look at that and say, OK, that. That was a little bit of a warning sign there, too. You know, we talked that the LA Galaxy would have a reaction against this uh, this team, against the San Jose team. We said, well, you know, it's a bit of a rivalry, even though I argued against that. And guess what? I was pretty right. Galaxy didn't treat it as a rivalry, did they? Um, looking at all these things and looking at what, you know, Vanny did, and I think maybe there's some, some blame there, but certainly looking at what Vanny said afterwards. Um, you know, you look at the San Jose game and say this was a, a, a horrible performance. It should have been. Uh, Greg Vanny called it sick, you know, pedestrian for the first 60 minutes. Pedestrian. Uh, it looked like the LA Galaxy didn't really want to be there. It looked like maybe they wanted to do something else. Uh, we had a starting lineup that included Jovan Jovalic, or Dayan Jovalic, I should say. Uh, Efrain Alvarez out on the right side, Kevin Cabral on the left side. Then in the middle, you had Sebastian Legette, uh, Ravellison, Kleschen, Hamelainen on the back line, Depew on the, on the back line in place of Williams. We'll talk about that here in a second. Koulibaly um, in de in defense and then Julian Rajo on the right hand side. Jonathan Bond back in goalkeeper. By the way, for everybody who wanted to say that there was goalkeeping controversy, I hope Jonathan Bond shuts you up pretty fast. Um, none of those goals were Jonathan Bond's fault. In fact, the dude stood on his head made two. Uh, he technically made, I think, four saves in four minutes. They were just on either side at halftime. Uh, for the Galaxy, uh, two double saves on both sides of that. Uh, if you look at the expected goals in this game, it really wasn't even that close. Uh, the game flow, by the way, has this very close. The actual expected goals, uh, at least on the MLS site and what they were looking at, shows San Jose at 2.5, the LA Galaxy at 1. I think it's generous to give the LA Galaxy 1. By the way, the goal that they scored on Victor Vasquez uh, hooking in a, uh, a corner kick, I guess it's an Olympico. I guess we're going to call it that. We're, we're still not 100% sure if anybody touched it beforehand. In fact, it was sort of ruled as an own goal initially, and then Victor Vasquez was given it whenever the, I think they said, eh, maybe it, maybe it didn't have all that much in the, into it. So we'll, we'll go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt to Victor Vasquez. But when you look at this lineup, you know, certainly there's some there's some rotation here, and I think Greg Vanny is allowed to rotate. I think, quite honestly, the third game of three, you should rotate. rotate. Um, but... Uh, you know, Williams on the bench, I think, was his big mistake. Uh, Vasquez not starting this game. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos coming in later in this game. That's fine because you expected a second half to be able to be played, um, you know, sort of on their terms with Grant Sear on the bench as well. So you had some really good game-changing subs that you could bring into this lineup. The problem was that the guys who were started this game played 60 minutes of, of snooze-fest soccer. It wasn't, it, the only thing it wasn't, not exciting because San Jose was just constantly pressing the LA galaxy for that first 60 minutes. Um, and so, you know, 
I don't know that you can look out here and say anybody had a good game. Uh, Julian Araujo got torched in this game fairly early, fairly often. Uh, he wasn't in position on the first goal, although I see plenty of people trying to blame Julian Araujo when Greg Vanny certainly wants him to get up the line, and Efrain Alvarez knows that he's going to have to cover some ground. Efrain Alvarez was back and covering on that first San Jose goal. He was back there. He didn't have to like run a million yards. He was back there. He was set, and then he decided to not mark anybody. Um, and yes, Efrain Alvarez is a midfielder. Yes, he rarely plays def plays defense, but at the same time, he's a professional soccer player. He probably should, you know, try to mark somebody. Uh, Koulibaly got pulled into the center. Nick Depew starting certainly, I think, unhinged Koulibaly a little bit. I think that Depew can play with Williams. I think that Koulibaly can play with Williams, but I think if you're going to take Williams out of this, um, and maybe there was a more reason than just rotation, um... Maybe if there was something that you could see, uh, you know, maybe he had just a little bit of a knock. Maybe they were worried about something, maybe blah, blah, blah. The whole deal with, the, you know, again, uh, if any of you watched Ted Lasso, you know, you had uh, Roy Kent talking about how, you know, you're not in the locker room. These guys, you can't look them in the eyes. You can't do this stuff uh, that you see. Uh, perhaps there's more to the Williams story than we know. Um, I'll tell you one thing. If you look on this, you know, whose name you don't see on any of the lineup cards is Dan Steris. He's not on the bench. He's not on the starting lineup. He's nowhere to be found. Uh, I asked the LA Galaxy. They told me it was a coach's decision. I don't know that I believed them. So I did some more digging. It is a coach's decision. So whatever uh, Dan Starris did um, or whatever the coaching staff thinks they're doing right now, Dan Starris isn't in that. But if you're, if I'm a betting man, you put Dan Starris back there with Koulibaly, I think you get a better play out of him. I think Nick DePew has been good at times in relief of Williams or Koulibaly um, as we've seen him sort of play. And I thought that whenever Koulibaly looked like maybe he got that concussion, um, that, that Nick came in and played fairly well but again next to Williams uh when you sit Williams uh then you don't you don't get that that same sort of bite back there and I think that they were disjointed um I didn't like the connection and you saw on the first goal you know Depew lets two players sort of slip in between them Koulibaly sees the two players runs into the center uh Araujo's working back but apparently did was working on counter press and didn't counter press hard enough and therefore was late behind the play Alvarez gets back and decides to do nothing um, wide open header for a and, and you know, that's the first goal. And by the way, San Jose could have scored three or four goals before that. Um, so, and by the way, I want to make this very clear. Williams was not benched. He was rotated. All right. There was no punishment in this. There was, there was Greg Vanny saying, Hey, you know, this is a guy I need to give a little bit of a, a rest to. And by the way, he did this to many people, right? Again, Vasquez on the bench, Dos Santos on the bench, Grant Sure on the bench. We told you, um, I think uh, earlier on that Grand Sear might be getting a rest in this game because we expected him to get a rest in the previous game and then Cabral came out and wasn't able to play and so then Grand Sear had to go in and so with Cabral back able to play then Grand Sear gets his little bit of a rest and he is a guy you're going to need to get rest from right because he is the LA Galaxy's Ramon Alessandrini right now a guy who is giving you know 110% on the field you're going to need to protect those guys. Um, super important you protect those guys because those guys will run through walls. They'll get injured. They'll do all this stuff. And there is the stretch of games coming up for the LA Galaxy that is just the ugliest stretch of games you've ever seen. Now, we talked about the three weeks. We can talk about all that fun stuff as it goes. But whenever you look at this LA Galaxy game, um, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, Greg Vanny certainly sees something. And, and if you listen to his post game, he says, you know, we cheat. We cheat on offense. We cheat on defense. Um, you know, everybody, we, he goes, our, our mindset is we love to play offense, right? But we, nobody wants to get back and play defense. Um, and so these are the things that you're looking at 
whenever you're saying, okay, what did the galaxy do right and what did the galaxy do wrong? Um, and so those are things to pay attention to. Uh, Vanny was... <laughs> Vanny was was a little upset. I can actually play you some of this. I think it's important that you hear this, and I'm sure you have heard it. Uh, if you go to cornerofthegalaxy.com, you can watch the entire press conference. Lucky for me, I got the first question. I was hoping I, maybe I didn't because I feel I felt like this would be the time that Greg Vanny would get upset. Uh, this is Greg Vanny. Um, by the way, people are calling him uh, Vreganny, right? If you watch Ted Lasso again, you'll you'll get that reference. Uh, this is this is this is evil. Uh, Greg Vanny whenever he's talking this is about I think as mad as he gets um, certainly with us he's not angry at us but he's fr certainly frustrated with the LA Galaxy I thought the first 60 minutes were pedestrian it was slow it was it was just blah uh, I think our defending in general is just not good enough we give away too many chances we give away too many goals uh, it's uh, it's on me, and it's going to change in the next three weeks. We have three weeks until uh, we play a game next week, which we I want to see a reaction. But we have three weeks to get better defensively because we can't we can't keep conceding goals and chances at the rate we are. And it's a mentality. Our mentality is that we love to attack and we love to have the ball, but we cheat defensively and we rest and we don't com we don't concentrate and we don't do the little things that it takes to be a good defending team. We cheat them, and it's un it's it's going to end. Our guys aren't going to be on the field. I've shared that with them, and it's going to end. Our mentality to defend has to change. We're going to be a good attacking team. I'm confident in that. I'm sure of it as we get everybody rolling. The second half, when we made some changes, the intensity and the forward thinking and the attacking hit another speed and another level, no problem. But our defending and giving up chances is just ridiculous right now, and it's on me. We're going to change it. All right, there, there's a little bit of Greg Vanny talking about uh, what happens there, um, you know, during that thing. Now, now there's a, there's an interesting part to this as well because it can't all be defensive, right? I told you the expected goals were one, um, and it probably came off of maybe one or two chances, one with Cabral, and it's funny because Greg Vanny talked about uh, Cabral not playing well um, in this. We can play you the audio again. Um, we can talk about uh, just the verticality and, and Greg's like, you, you, he says, you can say what you want about Kevin, but at least he's running vertical runs. At least he's trying to open up those seams. Um, and he does things, but when he gets there, he loses the ball. Greg said, you know, he lost too many challenges. Uh, his shot, the one that everybody wants to talk about is that left footed shot when Nick Depew played him over the top, uh, into space in behind San Jose, which was there all night. Um, and this was one of the few balls that actually found its way there. Uh, you know, his left footed shot is just sort of, I don't know. He rolled over on it. I don't know that. I mean, I feel pretty confident that I could kick the ball just like that if I tried, um, as well. And I think you're seeing, you know, the major issues with him. And, and I think Greg knows what the issues are, right? So this is not saying that, um, that he's surprised. He sees Kevin Cabral. He sees what he is. And, and he talks about, um, you know, just being stronger on the ball. He talks about positioning. He talks about where he puts the ball. He talks about fighting through challenges, being more physical. All these things are things that are going to come in time because Kevin Cabral is not in the physical state that he needs to be to be a super game changer in Major League Soccer. But it's one of the reasons that they, you know, invested in him is they think that they can make him into that player. Um, and when he becomes that player, uh, you know, the Galaxy have something to gain from that. Or he doesn't, right? And everything kind of goes sideways with it, too. That's always a possibility. Um, so Cabral had a horrible game. Absolutely. I will say this. Um, he was isolated. And he was isolated a lot. Whenever I look at the passing chart, uh, he's not finding, you know, connections with somebody like Sebastian Legette. He's not finding connections with uh, Jovalich. He's on a little island all by himself. Um, and so... 
I think Greg is at the point now where he is ready to motivate, right? So you can look at Cabral, you can look at some of these guys, but he, t- you know, he he was very clearly, you know, hey, we're cheating, we're cheating on offense, and we can't. Um, so I think you're going to find a very defensive-minded, defense-first team that comes out of this. And he talks about the three weeks again. We talked about it with Kevin and the three weeks that you sort of need here. But um, I just that that wasn't good enough. There there was no reason for that to even be a game for the LA Galaxy. Uh, they should have had all of the advantage, right? Again, they're at home. Uh, they're playing. You know, the they won their first game on Minnesota. When you win your first game in Minnesota, you sit. You think nine point week. This is the week the Galaxy make their move. Then they lose to Colorado. Then they lose to San Jose. Neither of those performances were good enough. Not even close. Um, San Jose came in physical, right? Physical, physical, ready for a challenge. Where was the edge for the LA Galaxy? Outside of, and I will certainly agree with this, Cabral was getting beat up on early in that game, and Armando Villarreal, the referee, did absolutely nothing about it. Um, I think that took Cabral out of his game. Now, he needs to be mentally tougher. Uh, but Villarreal needs to do more for that as well. Uh, he got undercut two or three times before there was even a yellow card um, in that game, uh, and he was not calling fouls that were clear fouls. The, 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 the initial 45 minutes from the referee was not good enough to establish two chippy teams that were sort of going after it, and you could just see it escalating more and more and more and more. Um, and so that's on the referee for some of that. But at the same time, Kevin Gabral got to be mentally tougher than that. Uh, 100%. Uh, Ravellison was meh in the middle. Leggett was kind of non-existent. Sasha Kleshin didn't have a lot of impact. I mean, name a guy in this starting lineup who did anything. Nothing changed until Victor Vasquez came in, until Efrain Alvarez was off there, until Grant Sear came in. Um, who else came in? So it was Grant Sear, Victor Vasquez, Jonathan Dos Santos came in. In the 60th minute, then things started to change, right? And you could see the creativity. You could see more of the stuff it's it's becoming very clear the LA Galaxy don't have a playmaker and that that playmaker that they rely on is Victor Vasquez, right? And so the more that he is rested, uh, the more problems, you know, the Galaxy have. Um, I think that whenever you're looking at how the LA Galaxy do right now, it's not about Jonathan Dos Santos, who I think uh, might even be writing himself off for the LA Galaxy. There's There's decisions to make on his contract right now, and whatever he's doing is certainly not proving that he wants to stay. Um, or that he's even capable of staying. Let's say it's a physical physical thing. You saw him lump, limping around, that type of thing. By the way, that's going to be common now. Uh, we've been telling you for ever since he started that he's getting cramps, that he gets cramps in almost every single game. And so when you see him and it looks like he holds a holds a hamstring or something like that, that's probably a cramp now instead of just you know a hamstring injury. So him hobbling around is going to be normal, which means physically he's not going to be able to perform as much as you want Jonathan Dos Santos to perform. Um, but those three subs at least changed something, right? It got some guys out of positions, you know, and I, I think it was very telling that one of the first guys that went away was Nick Depew. Uh, I, ne- I have seen Greg Vanny be exasperated on the sideline, but not as much as with Nick Depew um, in this last game. He was throwing up his hands. Um, and so uh, it, it's very clear to me that if you want to see, you know, a starting lineup for the LA Galaxy that is going to be competitive, then Victor Vasquez needs to start. Now, he seems to be set up to be able to start on Saturday. And so if you're expecting him to start against LAFC, I think that's something that you should see. I think Grant Sear is now set up to play on Saturday um, as well. I think Jonathan Dos Santos is ready to start on Saturday and you have a full week. Greg Vanny should have his pick of people that he sort of wants to take um, from here on out. So, uh, no, the San Jose game has no excuses. Uh, the LA Galaxy were in positions to take advantage of Colorado and San Jose and didn't either. All right, so there's problems. 
Are there insurmountable problems? No. And it was funny. I told the story on Twitter, um, but I'll tell it here as well. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I've known Taylor Tolman for a very long time. I've told you guys that on the, on the podcast. And if you heard the, the good stories, um, that I have with that on some of the other podcasts, I'm sure you could run through them and, and sort of see. Um, but I was talking to, I was texting Taylor beforehand and I'm saying, well, maybe I'll run into you. I don't know if they got you guys locked in a bubble or whatever, but if I run into you, I'll say hi. Um, and so I went into the press box and Taylor was sitting there with John champion. I hadn't met John yet. Um, and so I walked up and said, what was up to TT and uh, and John Champion was there. By the way, I mean a little bit of a fangirl moment for me meeting John Champion because uh, he sounds exactly like he sounds right. So um, it's just fun. I I don't know. I, I'm constantly amazed at the people I get to meet and the positions that I get to be put in. But uh, I was sitting there talking about the LA Galaxy as the quote unquote LA Galaxy expert uh, to Taylor Twelman and and John Champion before the game. And so we were talking about it. And John Champion asked me. He goes. He goes, the goal differential tells me that the defense isn't that good. What do you think? And I stood in front of him and I said, very, I, I said it right to John Champion. I said, you know, for me, they're not as bad as that goal differential. Can you me imagine being the guy, me, who told Taylor Twelman and John Champion right before the game the Galaxy defense isn't as bad as their goal differential and then watching that team come out and absolutely lay an egg on defense? You can say, I know people want to like also criticize the offense. Go ahead, criticize the offense. Have fun. Um, I'm less worried about the offense right now. I'm more worried about what the defense is because they're not this bad, right? We've watched them. They're not this bad. I guarantee you they're not this bad. This goal differential, this zero goal differential thing is driving me nuts because I've been watching them saying, there's no way. They're not this bad um, because they have some good pieces. I think Derek Williams is a good piece. I think Julian Rajo is the best right back in Major League Soccer right now. Um, I think Koulibaly... It, the it's we're the, we're still out on him. Um, I think Nico Hamelainen has been great and probably could be a starter for the LA Galaxy. I would love to know whether the Galaxy have a purchase option on him because right now I'm like young kid, six foot, sign him up, make him the left back of the future for the LA Galaxy. Uh, but he's on loan from QPR. Um, so you know I look at this defense and say it's better than what they're showing, and then you have Nick DePew come out there and. Uh, in my mind, in no way, in no fashion, is Dan Steris worse than, than Nick DePew. And I, I, that's just being honest with what I've seen over the years. So not having the option of Steris on there is super interesting. And again, I'll tell you 100%, he's healthy. This is a coach's decision. So whatever happened, however it happened, that's the position we're in right now. Like Augie Williams. And I don't even know if we even talked about Augie Williams because we've been so busy with news and games and everything else. But Augie Williams uh, was loaned down to the San Diego Loyal for the rest of the USL season. Everybody knew. Augie was in trouble, right? Greg Vanny told everybody Augie was in trouble. Now Augie's down with San Diego. What's going on with Dan Steris? Well, right now, Greg Vanny is shouting it. He's not saying it, but he's shouting that Dan Steris is in trouble, that he's not doing what he wants him to do, that he's not seeing the improvement, the effort, or anything else that's out there. That's what Greg Vanny is saying whenever he's, say, whenever he's not even putting Dan Steris there. And then you go in here and you start Nick DePew. All right. Um, and that was a problem in this game. Absolutely 100% a problem, and you could see Vanny was frustrated with the whole time, uh, made the change in the 60th minute. I always think Greg makes his changes a little bit later than everybody wants because he he's kind of like Phil Jackson where he wants them to play it out, right? Play through it, figure it out. You guys need to be smarter. It's not always about pointing things out to you. You have to know what you're trying to do, and I think the LA Galaxy are a little naive in that right now. Uh, Victor Vasquez, again, comes on, things change. Uh, the Galaxy did press there. Uh, that second goal, though, Totally, totally lucky. Um, but Koulibaly can't get beat on the line there. Uh, 100% can't get beat on the line. Um, so 
you know, for me, I think uh, somebody read my game recap and they said, well, it was pretty harsh on Koulibaly. Well, I could make an argument that he's at fault for two goals and the, and San Jose scored two goals. Um, you know, people don't want to give him the fault because he tracked a runner inside. Well, at some point you track a runner and at some point you track the ball. When the ball gets crossed in and you see your guy going forward and you realize that ball isn't going to get him and it's going behind you, then somebody has to do that. But I'll also say F. Ryan Alvarez probably should try to play defense every once in a while. That might help as well. Um, so, I mean, that's what I see um, from the San Jose game. I feel like Greg Vandy is going to put a big, um, I feel like he's going to put a big emphasis on on what you can do uh, on defensively for for this next three weeks, right? What Watch how the Galaxy play against LAFC. I think they're going to be very connected type blocks. All right, you're on the road, you're in hostile territory, uh, you're playing LAFC, you're playing a team that quite honestly in LAFC is just in a death spiral right now. Uh, you have a chance to knock them out. If you can't read that as the LA Galaxy, if you can't get up for that game, uh, we talked about spending sort of your emotional currency on a San Jose game. Well, good good news. The LA Galaxy spent zero emotional currency against the San Jose Earthquakes because apparently they forgot that, that was supposed to be a rivalry game. All right. They're not supposed to listen to me. All right. I tell you, I said, I said, I don't think that the LA Galaxy think this is a rivalry. I don't think that it's a rivalry anymore. I completely discounted it. Guess what? I'm not a player. All right. Those guys should have known that was a rivalry. And you can say, oh, there's new players. Guess what? Sasha Kleshin is on this team. He knows it's a rivalry. Sebastian Legette is on this team. He knows it's a rivalry. Talk about the guys who have been here before. They knew this was a rivalry game. All right. Some moron podcaster doesn't get to decide whether something is a rivalry. Just like Bob Bradley doesn't get to decide whether or not it's El Trafico. All right. You have no control over that stuff. All right. That was, I just, that's, I, I just want to get to that. That's the deal is the LA Galaxy absolutely did not show up, did not spend any emotional currency. They did not try to match the intensity that San Jose had. Bottom line. That's it. They did not. They did not. When the bell rang, they did not meet it. All right. And that's the stuff that Greg Vanny will not tolerate. And you heard him getting ticked, um, which, by the way, is a lot of fun. Um, it's fun to hear a coach. And and fun is like not a, it's it's fun because it's different, right? A lot of times Greg Vanny is a very measured guy. He's not measured here. He's angry. Um, he's still he's still able to articulate everything, by the way. Um, and I just I just think that's so interesting. I mean, most of the time, Greg Vanny will talk for four or five minutes at a time. He is angry. So he's only talking at like one or two minutes. Um, that's that's how it goes. I, I will tell you right now that LAFC is ripe for the picking. We were going to talk about it on Thursday night. We'll get you ready for that game on Thursday night, but they're ripe for the picking now. If you're the LA Galaxy, you smell blood in the water, you want to go after them. That being said, getting a point there is still a good point. All right, getting points on the road is still a good point, but eventually you're going to have to try to make up some of these points you dropped. Bottom line, make up some points you dropped. If we go over some of the stats as we move away from the San Jose game a little bit, I just wanted to point it out. This is a big deal, and this continues to be a big deal, so pay attention to it as it goes down. When you look at the percentage of minutes played by the LA Galaxy's designated players, these are the highest-paid players on these teams. Right now, the LA Galaxy are hovering at 56.8% of the total available minutes have the designated players played. Kevin Cabral has the most at 84.6%, but Chicharito, 45.8%. Jonathan Dos Santos, 45.1%. 
All right, there's not enough. And where and and the LA Galaxy are missing Chicharito, no doubt about it. Right? They need that game changer in there. Okay, they need that game changer. And and he's not there. He needs to be back on this field. That's why getting him back for Saturday would be huge. Yes, you put in a guy for 10 minutes at the end of the game. Absolutely. You would put Chicharito in for the last 10 minutes of an El Trafico. If you're losing or if you're tied, even if you're winning, you put him in for the last 10 minutes. How would you not do that? You need to start getting him spun up. Um, so MLS's decision is ludicrous. By the way, I still don't know if that's going to be the final decision, but I mean, that's what they're going to say. So, I mean, whatever is what it is. Uh, when you look at the LA Galaxy, the percentage of the time they get points, right? We talk about wins, losses, and point percentages. So, Whenever I say when you get a point or better, right? So a win or a draw is what we're measuring there, right? So the LA Galaxy have won 52.4% of their games. They've lost 38.1% of the games, and they've gotten a point or better 62% of the time, basically. That needs to be higher, all right? The point or better needs to be higher. When you play bad, you want to get a point. When you play well, you get wins. When you play bad, you don't get losses. You get a point. Galaxy need to be better at that. That's what you're expecting down the stretch. And certainly that's what you're looking at coming up in September when the LA Galaxy have five games and four of those games are on the road. Okay, a midweek game, I think, is in Houston. A midweek game. You get one midweek home game. Woohoo! That's something to watch. This is going to get worse for the LA Galaxy. We talked about 2019 being that, that maybe this team is going to mirror that 2019 team. This is, we're starting to see that. Okay, remember that 2019 team barely made the playoffs, ended up winning a game against Minnesota, went to the next one, lost LAFC. All right. This is what this team is shaping up to be right now. They're sitting a little higher up in the table, which may look good for them. And the fact that nobody is sort of catching them right now is a good thing as well. But just be really careful with this. Uh, when we look at home points right now, the LA Galaxy have 22 po home points for 1.83 points per game. Their average is higher than that, though. Over the entire life of the LA Galaxy, uh, their average points per game at home is closer to two. Uh, it's 1.89, and right now they're at 1.83. It needs to be better, and certainly two back-to-back -back home losses, back-to-back -back losses for the first time in a game, all right, um, is, is not something you want to see. Uh, away points, 13 points so far on the road. They had eight points total in 2020. They had 17 points total in 2019. The LA Galaxy should get more than 17 points on the road. I think they're a better team this year. And if you look at the average, 1.44 points per game on the road right now is higher than their average, which is 1.2. And in 2019, they averaged one point per game on the road. They need to keep this in the 1.4 to 1.5 range, win games on the road. That is super important. We've seen some regression here as we look at the, all the LA Galaxy uh, teams across 21 games and where the Galaxy sit. At one point, we were saying this is the third best start for the LA Galaxy in team history, the fourth best start. Well, we're sort of mire, we're sort of starting to tread into the middle now. 2019 had two more points better than the LA Galaxy through 21 games. Just again, keep in mind 2019. Okay. 35 points right now for the LA Galaxy, 37 in 2019, 36 in 2016. If you want to look, 34 points, though, in 2014. Not saying the LA Galaxy can't go on a run. All right, 2012, they only had 27 points through 21 games. Again, not saying you can't go for a run. 2011, which was one of the best years for the LA Galaxy, 39 points through 21. Not too far off the pace. So as much as we panic... We have to look at the history. We have to look where it is. It's the problem is you're not trending up. You're trending down right now. The LA Galaxy need to be trending up. 
Uh, 1.67 points per game is their average right now. 1.52 across all LA Galaxy seasons is the average. Uh, just LA Galaxy goals scored. This is interesting. Okay, here we go. There's there's progress. We can say that there is progress. Are you ready to make progress? Here we go. Through 21 games, the LA Galaxy have scored 32 goals, conceded 32 goals. If we project that over 34 games, right around 52 goals each, right? Get, score 52 goals, uh, give up 52 goals. If we compare that to other seasons, we will see that the LA Galaxy from just the the year over year, basically defensively, if I told you the LA Galaxy were a better defensive team than they were in 2020 by a long shot, I don't know if you would believe me or not, but you should. Because if we project the 22 games that the LA Galaxy played, if we projected that into a 34-game season, which is the standard sort of season right now, uh, the LA Galaxy would have conceded 71 goals. The LA Galaxy right now are on pace to, to give up about 52 goals. So we'll say 51. So that's 20 goals better than they are in 2020. But... If we go to 2019, we can see they're actually fairly similar again. Uh, LA Galaxy were projected to score, and they did score 58 goals in 2019. LA Galaxy on on pace to score 52 goals right now. Uh, defensive goals in terms of how many they gave up in 2019 was 59. The LA Galaxy are on pace to give up 51. The defense is even better right now, as long as they as long as they continue on this pace than what it was in 2019. But it's hard to separate those, right? But there is progress, so don't don't freak out. There is some progress. Um, I don't want to act like it's all doom and gloom all the time. It's not. Uh, if you look at August and how many points per game the team has sort of uh, gone through here, uh, right now averaging 0.71 points per game in the month of August. Not great, but with a win against LAFC, that could really do good for the LA Galaxy whenever you look at uh, three wins, two losses, one draw, and a very busy month. I think you'll take that if you're the Galaxy. So a win would look really good hanging there. A point isn't horrible. A win is better. Um, and so that's something that you want to... Again, keep an eye on if we look at table position, the LA Galaxy have just dropped down from uh, third place for the first time since basically week seven, uh, week eight, somewhere in there. Uh, they're now in fourth place. So fourth place in the Western Conference, fifth place overall in the Supporter Shield. Uh, and as we look, uh, the LA Galaxy's longest single season losing streaks per year. So we say how many, what was the longest losing streak in each of these years, right? Well, in 2020, there was a six game losing streak. In 2019, there was a four game losing streak. Right now, the LA Galaxy have just matched their longest, which is uh, the two game losing streak. This is the longest they've done that. That that can that can indicate some things. I don't know that we're seeing much indication of that. If we go into the longest winning streak, though, it's also two. The Galaxy have won back to game back to games a couple times, um, but in 2019 they also went on a five game winning streak. Where's one of those? Where's one of those swings for the LA Galaxy as they continue out? So, um, yeah, that's sort of where we sit for the, with this this team right now. A, a lot to prove. Um, I think anybody who says that they should be worried about the offense more than the defense hasn't been watching this team. I'd be happy with the zero zero draw in some of these games. Uh, if the defense could start standing on its own two feet, uh, Greg Vanny saying this defense cheats, I think was probably, and he's using that word, you know, as most provocatively as he can, right? He's saying this defense cheats. You can't cheat on offense. He talked about the analytic of starting the, uh, attacks deeper into the field than anybody else. Uh, by the way, we should have LA Galaxy fans. If you're not just, if you, again, I pulled it out and I already said it, but if you're not paying attention, the fact that Greg Vanny just quoted an analytics should make you excited because that means this isn't a coach that is stuck in MLS 1.0. This is a guy who is able to go through things and, and pay attention to things and is looking at all, all ways to make his team better. Um, I think if you're going to, if you would bet against Greg Vanny, sort of turning this defense around in three weeks, I mean, I'm not taking the bet. I'm putting my money on Greg Vanny right now. 
Um, you know, I question whether or not he needed to sit Williams. That's my one question about this, because I think if he does that, that the defense with Koulibaly back there is a lot on a lot better ground. But again, not there. Don't know if Williams has some sort of injury that you're worried about. Um, I didn't like that rotation. Uh, I can listen. I think Efrain Alvarez was one of the better offensive players on the night. And I also think that he missed several chances to pull people into the game and uh, and make some passes. I know he missed Jovalich on the on the on the uh, sharp corner shot that he had. That was one of the LA Galaxy shots on goal. Great shot. Good. It's just super low percentage. Uh, if he cuts that to Jovalich, and if you see this after uh, after Efra hits it and it goes out for a corner, uh, Jovalich sort of has his hands in the air like, if you just cut it back, I'm like right here. Um, Jovalich during the game, I thought was not involved in the game very much. And then going back and watching the highlights, he's involved in a lot more than I thought he was. I don't know what that means to me. I, I feel like if I don't see it during the game, then it's more isolated events than anything else. Um, but that's a guy who has to sort of start, you know, uh, melting into this LA Galaxy team, so melding into them. The, the, he's, he has to combine with this team. He has to figure out where his spot is and where he plays. And with Chicharito, I mean, unknown. We don't know where Chicharito is. We don't know if he would have been ready for Saturday. And right now, he's there even saying he's ruled out for Saturday. Again, um, just hold your breath on that. All right. I, I just, I, it, it would boggle my mind if MLS actually goes through that. Uh, MLS all-star game is coming up on Wednesday. If you want to watch it, uh, that's on Wednesday, August 25th. It's a 6 30 PM kickoff time. It's obviously, uh, the MLS all-stars versus the league MX all-stars, uh, being played at bank of California stadium. FS one and Univision is where you can find that particular game. Um, and so that's what we got. All right. Uh, I like feel the berm. They can't see Dayon's runs. I will tell you right now, they miss Cabral's runs as well. Um, and Cabral and Dayon and Greg Vanny has commented on this. He says that they're not finding them all the time. Um, there has to be more vertical. And quite honestly, Sebastian Lejet has to be more vertical. I'm not one of these people who's like, he only passes sideways and backwards. Uh, he he can find his moments, but I need to see more of that. And they need to find Cabral and Dayon in behind people um, because you're not seeing that. I, I think that's one of the most important. You want to get the offense going, that'll get the offense going. All right. Um, find those vertical runs a little bit more. Find in behind, play in behind. Uh, you know, Greg Vanny talked against Colorado as we were comfortable playing in front of them when we should have been trying to press to get in behind them. Uh, I felt the same as San Jose. San Jose played well. They were up for it. They knew what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, that's a that's a team, again, I think is a little more mature than the LA Galaxy, but certainly has had its ups and downs, its trials and tribulations. Uh, so, you know, you get that. The LA Galaxy already beat San Jose twice this year, I think. Is that, is that correct? I think so. Um, so this was the third game. Um, so if you look at that overall, if you win two out of every, you know, three, that's pretty good. Um, it just doesn't always guarantee you that playoff game at home. LA Galaxy, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I could pull the... Uh, the chat room here, but I'm sure you want an, a, a, an actual home playoff game. Wouldn't that be fun? Playoffs home. I still feel like this LA galaxy. I am not a, as big of like the sky is falling as some people. Uh, this team can play well. You even saw it against San Jose. This team can play well. Maybe they have a problem of trying to pass the ball in the back of the net. Sometimes maybe they have a problem of moving sideways more than vertical in those final moments. And I'd like to see some more vertical passes. Uh, you know, Cabral has to work on his finishing bottom line. Greg Vanny will sit him. Um, absolutely hundred percent will sit him. Uh, it's just, I don't know that we're at that point yet, right? This is when you need him. This is when you need his confidence ready to go. So you better be building him up and he better be learning. And if you're Cabral, you're tired, all those things that you didn't expect, you're in a new place. All that takes up, you know, your mental, 
your mental capacity and that's mentally draining all of these things, learning a new language, being in a new place, learning a new team, all these things take up all of that, that mental time and space. And he's got to figure out a way to fight through it. Luckily he's young. He's 22. He should be able to fight through that. LA Galaxy coming up against LAFC on Saturday, August 28th. Uh, that game is on Fox, as we said, over the air on Fox. Uh, you'll also be able to find the audio on LAGalaxy.com. Game at Bank of California Stadium. I will wonderfully be watching that game at home. Can't wait. Uh, I'll be turning on the TV. I'll be covering it the best way I can. We will have a live show coming up on Thursday for you as well. All right. That's where we're going. That's where we're at. Uh, this is This is a week of no games and if you close your eyes for the all-star game it's like almost nobody played and by the way i should mention julian araujo will play in the all-star game so if you're going to watch the all-star game um you need to just be on your hands and knees and praying to whatever deity that you like that he doesn't get injured if you're a galaxy fan that's what you want that's the only thing you want all right i mean if he has a really good game then it only uh speeds up his 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 departure from the galaxy as well so hopefully he has a very anonymous game for for a lot of no i, I think if you're a julian raha fan you wish that he goes out there and just you know balls it up against uh the league mx and by the way this is going to be a chippy game somebody's going to get hurt on one side or the other these guys aren't going to play like soft that's that ain't happening not going to happen. Never seen one of those that does that. So that's where we sit. All right. Uh, like I said, we will have a live show coming up on Thursday. I think Erica will be in. If not, we'll find uh, we'll find somebody else for that as well. Um, but we'll get you ready to go for the El Trafico on Saturday. Uh, and sort of we can do the postmortem on what happened at the All-Star game. And hopefully we'll have a definitive 100%. Although Kevin's reporting is perfectly trustworthy. I know who he talked to. Um, I know where that came from. So MLS is saying that's the rule and that's what they're going with. Um, super fun. Super fun. Can't wait for them to, to be like, oh, the ratings are down in El Trafico. Yeah, yeah, gee, I wonder why, guys. Um, yeah, sometimes the stupid rules end up being stupid. So uh, you did it to punish Zlatan, and now, uh, now, now you get to punish yourself, I guess. It'll only cost you like tens, $20 million, however much that is, uh, whenever you look at you know the, the ratings that will take a hit on this. Um, but we'll see. Maybe Chicharito won't even be ready. There is a LA Galaxy conference call coming up on Thursday uh, with Greg Vanny and selected players. I don't know that we know the players uh, that we'll talk yet, but I'll, we'll know that probably on Wednesday um, whenever that goes out. So that way we can be ready on Thursday for it. So we'll get an update on all of the injuries and what Greg Vanny has in mind for LAFC coming up on Saturday. All right. Kevin was great uh, calling in on the phone. So we thank him for doing that. Um, and other than that, I think it's probably time that we, uh, that we get on out of here. So uh, if you're looking for uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Uh, head on over to LATimes.com where he does all of his wonderful writing covering the LA Galaxy and all teams in Southern California, even some Angel City news. Kristen Press coming home. Welcome home, Kristen Press. Uh, I'm actually excited. I'll probably go out to a game. Kristen Press is one of my favorites. Always has been. Um, so uh, she's coming to Angel City. He has coverage on that. So head on over, latimes.com. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our videos, podcasts, articles, all that fun stuff. Fun stuff from Larry as well. We got you covered. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gesman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again 
Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>